Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I'm curious, what would it take for you to drop everything and pursue an entirely new kind of life? Now, I realize uh, that asking a question like this uh, might just make me sound a little bit like a salesman. You know, what can I do to close the deal? Uh, but I am genuinely curious. I'm genuinely curious. What would it take for you to drop everything right now and pursue an entirely new kind of life? I mean, uh, could, a, could a job offer do it? And, uh, and if so, what kind of job would be so new and so different and yet so compelling that you'd be willing to leave everything, even your current line of work, behind? Or uh, what about a marriage proposal? Could a, could a marriage proposal do it? You know, maybe an opportunity. An opportunity uh, to make a difference. An opportunity to have an impact, an opportunity to, to start over or uh, to right some wrong. You see, I'm genuinely curious, what would it take for you to drop everything and pursue an entirely new kind of life? See, as, uh, as we think about a question like this, I got to imagine uh, that your, your list uh, and your threshold, uh, just like mine, is pretty high. Oh, which is why if you're anything like me, uh, then today's reading probably catches you off guard because this is exactly uh, and essentially what Jesus is asking his disciples to do. You see, as uh, the curtain rises on today's reading, we find ourselves uh, 14 verses into Mark's gospel. Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. Peter and Andrew are uh, working their nets because they're fishermen and that's when Jesus approaches them and says, come, follow me, and uh, I will make you fishers of men. You know, if, you, uh, if you pause for just a moment to, uh, to consider what he's asking, uh, you realize that Jesus is asking these two guys a lot. I mean, he's asking them uh, to leave uh, their family, their homes, and their businesses behind. And then he's asking them to do this, uh, all to follow a former carpenter turned itinerant preacher uh, who is talking about the kingdom of God. It's come near, Jesus said. It's come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so if you're anything like me, uh, when you hear this reading, it probably catches you off guard because Jesus is asking a lot. And, and, and their response... You know, even if there was a special kind of power in an encounter like this, uh, their response seems a little unrealistic. And yet what I want to suggest today is that uh, if you really are anything like me, then there's probably also another part of you that wishes that some things in our world really did work like this. See, one of the questions uh, that you get asked uh, when you are a pastor uh, is, why? Why did you become a pastor? And, uh, and this question, I got this question asked a lot uh, back when I was in college, and that's because uh, I didn't grow up thinking that I was going to be a pastor. 
And I also didn't uh, go off to college thinking that I would end up at seminary. Instead, I went off to college thinking that I would be an engineer. If I'm honest, I don't even remember the first time that uh, I thought, you know, maybe God wants me to be a pastor. That's not to say that this uh, question didn't cross my mind. It did a number of times. Uh, But it is to say that the thing I remember is that during that discernment process, I remember reading a text like this and wishing that the world seemed this clear. You see, uh, the Son of God takes on human flesh, and then he goes and he finds Peter and Andrew, and then, and then he tells them exactly what they're supposed to do. Come, follow me. You have know, always known that, uh, that you don't have to be a pastor uh, for God to use you. And, and one of the privileges of a servant here as a pastor is serving among so many people who understand that so well. I mean, God uses all of us. You know, maybe you're a teacher or maybe you're a student. Uh, maybe you're a lawyer uh, or maybe you're just a, a good neighbor. Maybe you're a, a son or a daughter, a parent or a grandparent, a brother or a sister. It doesn't really matter uh, because God uses all of us, and he uses all of us in different ways because we all have different roles or vocations. I mean, he uses me in one way as a pastor, and he, he uses me in another way as a dad. And, uh, and the same is true of all of you in all of the roles or vocations you have. You see, that's where this text introduces a challenge for people like us. Uh, Because let's just say for a moment that you know what all of your roles and all of your vocations are. And, you know, that's not always a given. Because sometimes you find yourself in a season of life where you're trying to figure those things out. But let's just say that you, you do know what they are. Well, what does it look like to follow Jesus when he isn't standing right here? Or how do you know that you're, you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing? Or, or what do you do uh, when you feel completely unprepared for what the moment in life that you're facing calls you to do? See, I'm, I'm sure that we've all been there before, and uh, that's when we read a text like this. And if, if you're like me, it's a little frustrating Because this text seems so clear. I mean, Jesus goes and he finds Peter and Andrew, and and then he tells them exactly what they're supposed to do, which is why I just said, if you're anything like me, there's probably a part of you that actually wishes that our world worked at times like this. And yet, uh, that's why there's something I want you to notice in this text. It has to do with uh, the words that Jesus speaks to Peter and Andrew. You see, he says, uh, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You see, the the thing I want you to notice, uh, it helps us in all of the moments when following Jesus doesn't seem so clear. Uh, Before we get there, uh, there are two misconceptions about uh, following Jesus and, uh, and two misconceptions uh, that might just apply to this text uh, that I want to address uh, before I talk about Jesus' words here. Uh, and so let's, uh, let's talk about the two misconceptions and then we'll, uh, we'll move back to Jesus' words right here. And the first misconception is this, uh, and it's a misconception that says something like, uh, 
because I haven't experienced something like this. I haven't really been called by Jesus. You see, that's just not true. Now, uh, the moment that Jesus called you, it probably didn't happen like this, but Jesus was there, and it was next to a body of water. It just probably wasn't a body of water as big as the Sea of Galilee. You see, uh, Jesus called you on the day that you were baptized. And while you may not remember it, it was just as real and just as significant as what happens in today's reading. And so uh, I don't want to let the first misconception about following Jesus trip you up. Just like these disciples, you have been called by Jesus. That brings us uh, to the second misconception about following Jesus uh, that I want you to know. And that misconception sounds like this. Okay, maybe I was called by Jesus, but it didn't seem to have an immediate effect. You know, this is a kind of tempting thing to think because uh, in today's reading, Peter and Andrew, they drop their nets and they leave everything uh, to follow Jesus. You know, maybe your life, just kind of like my life, uh, looks or feels uh, a little different from this. You see, that doesn't mean that Jesus' call on your life didn't have an immediate effect. When, When God called you, when you were baptized... God made you his child, and it had an immediate effect. I mean, he forgave all of your sins, and he promised you a future that doesn't look like the kind of broken, sinful world that we find ourselves living in. And and no one, no one can take that away from you because the work is already done. I mean, it's finished and accomplished. Jesus did it on a cross and at an empty tomb outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And so I don't want the the second misconception about following Jesus to trip you up. Jesus has called you, and it did have an immediate effect, even if it looks a little bit different than what happens in this text. You see, all of that brings me back uh, to Jesus' words to these first two disciples uh, that I want you to notice. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And what I want you to notice about these words is that there is a gap. A gap between the moment when Jesus says in the present tense, come, follow me, and a gap that leads us to the moment when Jesus says, and I will make you, in the future tense, fishers of men. And and that gap, what happens in the middle, it helps us to make sense of all of the times that Jesus' call doesn't seem that clear. Now, I've uh, I've never really gotten into uh, graphic novels, uh, but this past week, someone pointed out something to me that I, I just can't get out of my head. You see, uh, when I think about graphic novels, I think about a series of frames that tell a story. You know, in some of those frames, there are words. Uh, In some of those frames, there are pictures. And in in most of those frames, there's actually both of them. But but what I'd never noticed, and uh, what was recently pointed out to me, is that there is a gap uh, between each of the frames in a graphic novel. And uh, there's actually a technical term for those gaps. I didn't know this, but it's called the gutter. 
and uh, the gutter, it turns out, is really important. And uh, the theory goes something like this. The gutter is the place where you experience a graphic novel. It's the place where, uh, where the author invites you to participate in the story being told because the, the gap or the gutter, it, it forces you to, to fill in the information that happens between one frame and another. And, and I don't want this to just be theory, and so I actually printed a page of uh, what this looks like in your bulletin. So I want you to go ahead and grab uh, your bulletin, flip to page 11. It's at the end of the service. Uh, and, and this page, uh, it comes from a graphic novel theorist. And, uh, and he writes a graphic novel and how graphic novels work. And you can actually, uh, you can see him at the bottom of the page explaining how graphic novels work. Uh, but before we get to what he, ha uh, he says, I want you to notice the three frames at the top of the page. The first frame, you got a man saying, what more could go wrong? And uh, in the second frame, uh, you got a woman who's saying, well, you know, at least Jerry never called. And in the third frame, you've got a phone ringing. And uh, what the theorist explains at the bottom of the page is that the space between the frames, the gutter, it's really important. And uh, he says it's, it's the place where much of the magic and the mystery happens because it's the place where you have to fill in some information. I mean, who's calling? Because you know it's Jerry, and, and you know that something's wrong, and it's because you filled in the gaps as, uh, as you were reading the graphic novel. He said, that brings me uh, to the second thing that I've uh, printed in your bulletin. I want you to go ahead and flip your page over. Uh, look at page 12. And, uh, and what you'll see here are the two distinctly different moments or frames that Jesus mentions in today's reading. You've got the present tense, come, follow me, and you've got the future tense, and I will make you fishers of men. And so you can see the, the story from today's reading, and, and just like the call that we receive in baptism has an immediate effect, uh, it has an immediate effect on Jesus' disciples, although it's a, a little different as people like uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John race towards Jesus. But that's when I remind you that there is a gap in today's reading, a gap between the present tense, come, follow me, and the future tense, and I will make you fishers of men. And so uh, below that frame, I have another frame. And it's, it's one example of what that eventually looks like as Peter preaches on Pentecost many years later. You see, what Jesus does in today's reading is he invites us to imagine everything that happens between those two moments. Or to put it another way, uh, he invites us to imagine what life is like in the gutter for someone like Peter. Because if you're Peter, you've seen all sorts of incredible things. And it, it starts in today's reading as, as Jesus calls you to follow him. And then you watch as his ministry unfolds. I mean, he heals the sick. He feeds the thousands. And then there's that story where he even invites you to step out of a boat and walk on top of water. I mean, you have seen all sorts of incredible things. But just because you've seen all sorts of incredible things doesn't mean that life in the gutter is always clear. 
You see, that's why later, after you follow him, you rebuke him at Caesarea Philippi. Jesus tells you that he's going to die, and you tell him that he is not going to die, and then he tells you to get behind me, Satan. And yet, even though Jesus says that, he still lets you follow him. You know, it's not the only time that that something like this happens, because it happens again uh, in the hours before Jesus gives his life for you. I mean, in the garden, Jesus tells you to stay awake while he's praying, but you fall asleep. And, And the next morning, you had told him that you would never fall away, but that's exactly what you do. And it's all because life in the gutter isn't always clear. And, uh, and here's what I want you to notice for Peter. You know, the same is also true for us. If you're Peter, Jesus still dies for you. And uh, he's still resurrected. And, uh, and after he's resurrected, he welcomes you back. And then he goes on to make you a fisher of men. You see, life in the gutter, the place where, where all of us live most of the time... It isn't always clear. And yet, just like Jesus did for Peter and for the rest of the disciples, he walks with us through it. You know, sometimes we get things right, and for those times, uh, we get to give thanks to God. And, and sometimes we don't get things right. And in those moments, uh, we get to give thanks that, uh, that God forgives us, and he's always ready to welcome us back. But just like Jesus' disciples, he promises to use us, and he uses us in all sorts of different ways because uh, we have all sorts of different roles or or vocations, and and what he invites us to do today is to simply imagine, to imagine that God isn't just at work in all of the frames of our life, in the come follow me's, or in the I will make you fishers of men, but he invites us to imagine that he is at work in the gutter of our life as we seek to follow him. And Jesus never promises that this will be easy. He never promises that this will be obvious. But life in the gutter rarely is. And yet, he still walks with us. And he still uses us. And so as you reflect on a text like this, it's it's my hope and prayer that God would remind you that you have been called. And, and that it had an immediate effect. And that God would then invite you to imagine that right now, today, later this week, God is at work in and through you as he walks with you through the gutter of life. In the name of Jesus, amen.